In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The confetti's all gone, so what happens now? I'm thinking round two next year. What do you say? The Braves report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution shifts into off-season mode now. Welcome to episode 21. I'm Jay Black with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Braves beat reporter Gabe Burns, who is well-rested after his uh, – well, are you well-rested after your uh, much-needed week off following the Braves? Yeah, yeah, uh, I would say that I'm I'm all caught up now. I'm already feeling a little refreshed. <laughs> what uh, what what does a beat writer do uh, the week after uh, uh, wearing himself out at the World Series? Um, well, I've kind of just uh, relaxed. I, I slept a lot. Got a boy. Um, walked around a lot on the belt line <laughs> and around. <laughs> That's you know, just I can listen to music and podcasts and just kind of walk and relax. The weather's been mostly nice, and uh, unfortunately, I watched the. The Tampa Bay Bucks lose to Washington on Sunday. But besides that, I mean, things have been pretty good. Well, we do have a couple of objectives in the, this show today, laying out the objectives for the Braves to reload this winter and defend their world championship. And it's also award season in Major League Baseball. So we will have our picks uh, for the big honors left and uh, our Braves award winners. But first, we want to pass this along to you that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has joined the NFT digital community. Our initial mint includes a limited 2,021 editions of our collectible front page moments that celebrate the Atlanta Braves' historic postseason and World Series win. This is just the first of many offerings that we'll have over the next few weeks. The AJC will be commemorating more Metro Atlanta and Georgia moments, milestones, and people by registering these events for permanent storage using blockchain technology. So see our auction at AJC.com slash NFT. Now what will be permanent is that the 2021 flag honoring the world champions will be at Truist Park or whatever stadium replaces it for a couple of decades. Now, how do the Braves do it again? And Charlie Morton said it best to close out the parade. I wanted to say how important this group behind me is to me. This group will never be the exact same way it is right now. And I just wanted everybody to know how much I love you guys. I love this moment. I'm so appreciative of this moment. This moment that we're sharing this uniform and the stage together. The most special in my career. Thank you. And Gabe, you pointed out in your uh, off-season preview story that uh, those words from Morton will be the final ones spoken by a Braves player in 2021. They they went out on that note, and he's right. Like the team is obviously, it's not going to be the same. There's going to be some changes here. Obviously, uh, all the fans are hoping, and the team is hoping that Freddie Freeman is not part of those changes. But the reality is, they're probably not going to be keeping all of those outfielders that really saved that helped save their season. Uh, there's going to be some tweaks here, some tweaks there. I mean, they're going to get obviously they're getting Acuna back. You know, they're hoping that they can get Soroka back at some point. It is going to be a different team. So, uh, but the 2021 Braves will uh, be remembered forever, of course, and that group of players will is kind of immortalized in the history of Atlanta sports. So Charlie is. You know, everything he's – I thought he said that pretty well, That how special that was to him. And as of right now, there are five players that started that final World Series game that are currently uh, without contracts, four free agents, one's going through arbitration. But here's the good news from Alex Anthopoulos, if you're a Braves fan. Payroll will rise. Payroll will be going up from 21 to 22, uh, which is obviously a great thing. Uh, you know, beyond that, you guys know me when it comes to that, that stuff. I don't get into specifics, but – you know, our payroll has been, you know, I know in 2020, it's the highest it had ever been. It started out lower in 21, but we got it back up again after the trade deadline. Um, as a credit to our attendance and the fans. Um, and again, it'll continue to climb. What do you make of that? Uh, a big spending spree or just enough to get the job done? Yeah, they, well, they needed to increase payroll, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, they added some at the trade deadline, uh, even Rosario. Uh, it was noted that he was a salary dump from Cleveland. Uh, obviously, that's a that's one hell of a salary dump. Yes. But, so yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, look, they're going to need to because they they've got a you know Freddie. Uh, we'll see where he comes in at, but you know, it's going to be around thirty million. 
uh, maybe higher. So that number is going to be around there. They're going to need money to, if you want to keep Solaire, if you want to keep Rosario, if you want to pay a veteran starter. Um, you know, obviously Alex has got a reputation for doing these one-year deals with uh, with players to help them maybe, you know, rebuild their value. Uh, it didn't work for, you know, Cole Hamels or Smiley. It certainly worked for Donaldson. So, you know, I mean, this team is uh, – it's a, obviously the core is very talented. I mean, duh, they're the best team in baseball. They're the reigning world champs. But uh, they do have a lot of work to do this winter. So having that flexibility and, have, and having room is uh, – Obviously, it's a very big deal. Is that kind of kind of more what he means? Is is just giving them room to to take care of Freddie and, and to take care of some of the needs? But you don't expect like them them to get the number one free agent like Corey Seager for three hundred million dollars or something. Like no, that. no, no. I mean, but this is not a. I mean, the reality is this is just not a franchise that dishes out three hundred million dollar contracts. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that one day they couldn't. Um, you know, they could. If, the, if it's the right player, I mean, they can make the numbers work because you look at this. I mean, San Diego has dished out multiple $200 million deals. Uh, Arizona uh, paid Zach Grinke a ton of money. I mean, you look around, there's different markets that have done this. I mean, Miami paid Stanton that uh, deal that they ended up dumping. But um, it's not to say the Braves can't. But, I mean, with where they are right now, they have to pay Freddie, and we'll see where that number comes in. Uh, they're fortunate that they have Acuna and Ozzy signed long-term on very well below market deals. Uh, but, no, you're, I mean, they're not going to be involved in, uh, in you know, $300 million contract. But they do have, they do have the resources to kind of spread that around and uh, certainly supplement their core with, with the right players and maybe retain some of these guys who were so big for them this past year. We do know Freddie's going to get paid, and, and it was made very clear uh, who wants him to get paid. It might get me in trouble. But re-sign Freddie. And lastly, Dansby said it best. Re-sign Freddie. We have a special group here, and we're signing Freddie no matter what. Let's go. That's Dansby, Travis Darno, and Ozzy Albies from the parade. Alex Anthopoulos said something similar to when the free agency window opened. By rule, obviously, I can't say a whole lot other than what I've said in the past. We love him. He's great. We want him to stay. He wants to stay. Um, how the process plays out and goes from there, it's just, you know, you, there's no way to – I don't know that I – I mean, I can't really get into any specifics, but the very similar to what I said in, in the past, that our goal is, is to sign him and to keep him a brave. So Freddie loves everybody. Everybody loves Freddie. We've been saying this for a full year now. There's no way this doesn't get done, but it's not done yet. What's the holdup? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, we're looking at years and we're looking at dollars. I mean, they can talk about how much they love him all they want, but money talks, BS walks, right? So uh, Freddie is, I mean, I'm sure, you know, obviously his agent is fielding calls and there's a report out there about the Yankees uh, at least checking in on him. I mean, of course he wants to stay, and I think most of us would certainly bet on him ultimately staying, but – I mean, it's gonna it's gonna cost the Braves some money, and it should. Uh, he's the face of their franchise. He's an NL MVP. Now he's a World Champion. Um, I can. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, obviously they all want to keep a Brave for life. I would still expect this thing to get done, but uh, I do find I think the years discussion is fascinating. Uh, and you know, we'll see if it's six years, if it's five years. Uh, we'll see where they come down on it, but obviously that's priority number one for the Braves. That's gonna that's gonna be the story of their off season, and it's something that you know. Again, we're looking at a lockout uh, when the CBA expires on December first. So if Freddie is not signed here in the next couple of weeks, then the uh, the Freddie Freeman story is gonna drag on for quite a while. It's kind of eerie how much this resembles the Albert Pujols situation, where. Nobody thought he would actually leave St. Louis, and then the Angels swoop in and give him a bajillion dollars, and there he goes. He goes to Los Angeles, and if you let that guy that you don't ever think will leave listen to what other people say, you bring that risk in, and here we are now with with Freddie. Yeah, I mean that we knew that this was going to be the case when when it was clear they were not going to get something done during the season. I mean, we knew that. Um, there was a good chance his price would go up because you're inviting the Yan- you're letting the Yankees get involved, you're letting the Red Sox get involved, uh, you know whoever else uh, 
winds up jumping in here. I mean, Freddie has a ton of value. He's he obviously so well-respected around the game. He's a leader, and that matters. You know, a lot of these teams are always looking for guys who can kind of stabilize the clubhouse and these guys who are just always good fits. And I think Freddie would be a good fit in any clubhouse. Um, he's just a – I mean, he's just – He's just a very comfortable guy to have. And uh, all the stuff that we always talk about him forever with the Braves, I mean, if it comes down to it, then he could be that for the Yankees. He could be that for Boston or who, you know, whoever you want to name. Uh, ultimately, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is going to be a pool hole situation. Um, I don't think – I mean, I don't, can't imagine. I mean, I guess I can imagine, but I, I wouldn't expect a team to swoop in with something crazy like that, but it does only take one. And and you never know. That's the thing. Like Mark Bradley wrote it today. I mean, you, he's it's a free agent. You never know what can happen with these situations. Um, and we've seen time in every sport. We see time and time again guys that you would never expect to leave their teams. I mean, I don't think anyone expected Peyton Manning to be a Denver Bronco or Tom Brady to be a Tampa Bay Buck at any point uh, when those guys were dominating with the Colts and the Patriots. And you mentioned Albert Pujols. And, I mean, we can just – we can go through the line of players, um, so it's not certainly not impossible. But again, I, I would, if I was a betting man, I, I would bet on uh, Freddie and the Braves working something out here. Is it really just that sixth year that everybody's haggling over? I, I mean, I think it's a variety of factors. I mean, it, it, it's look, it's the years and it's it's the dollars. I mean, it, we're stating the obvious here, but um, clearly the Braves had a number in mind, and clearly Freddie has a number in mind. And obviously, you know, that's why teams negotiate. And they're not there yet, and they haven't found middle ground yet. And we'll see uh, if and when they do. I remember in, in at the end of 2019, going into 2020, when Braves fans were just telling Alex Anthopoulos, hey, throw that extra year on for Josh Donaldson. Braves fans saying, we need a third baseman. At, you know, it's, what's that one-year difference? Well, how many games has Josh Donaldson played since he left the Braves? He, he, he was not effective in 2020, and he was not effective in 2021. And now the Twins are saddled with that extra year. Yeah, I mean, that that does come into play. Um, I think Freddie is a lot different uh, from Donaldson and from a risk standpoint. Um, you know, Donaldson is older and had more injury issues, and the Braves obviously know Freddie um, better than anyone. He spent his whole career there, and there's certainly the legacy uh, aspect of this that yep. comes into play, which naturally, I mean, you can talk about how – you know, it, business is business, but it does matter. Um, it does factor into the conversation. And uh, Freddie has, I mean, other than really getting his getting his wrist popped by a pitch, I mean, this is a guy who's he, he's playing all the time. Um, obviously, plays a great first base. If it comes down to DHing at some point, you could do that. Um, takes good care of himself. I think his game is going to age really well. I really do. Uh, so there's there's a lot of things that I mean Donaldson did come with a lot of red flags. Yes. So I mean that that whole conversation was certainly much different from Freddie. Uh, in, in Freddie's case, I I genuinely and look, you never know. Sometimes guys can surprise you and just completely, um, you just completely just fade. Right? Joey, Joey Votto for until this past year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you can really uh, you can really be surprised. And there have been guys like again, Bradley wrote this. A lot of these first baseman contracts have not worked out. Talk about Ryan Howard, Miguel Cabrera. I mean, Pujols. Some of these just Hall of Fame or MVP guys, and these deals end up not working out. But I do feel this is a personal opinion. I, I really do feel good about Freddie aging well. And no, Freddie is not going to be the same player at 37. He is at 31. But I do feel really good that um, I don't think that contract will become an albatross. But again, you really do. Know, you never know with this stuff. You know, business is business, but I mean, can you imagine a single way to derail a historic high that the Braves are on right now with their fan base than letting Freddie Freeman walk? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, I guess some people could argue that if Freddie leaves after the World Series, at least you got the ring and everything. I mean, I just, I really do. That That is one way to kind of squander so much of the, I mean, the good I mean look the, the look the banner hangs forever the rings last forever uh none of that changes if freddie signs with the mets that doesn't change right but it it would i mean of course it would be a blow it would be one of the you'd have to go through Braves history but it, it would be one of the more gut-wrenching just 
player losses in Braves history for sure. I mean, that would that would be a really tough blow for the fan base and for the community. Now to the outfield situation. Hey, guess what? We are those Yes, uh, that is correct. Uh, thank you, Jock Peterson. But Alex, what's the plan here now? Look, we have a lot of free agents and we'd like to have them all back because they all played so well for us. But realistically, it's going to be hard to pull that off. But we'll do our best. What Anthopoulos did, of course, is legendary work pulling this outfield together at the trade deadline. But now he's got like one of the more complicated jobs of any G in this offseason is figuring out what to do with all this now in 2022. Yeah, uh, look, there's uh, obviously there's tons of avenues to take here. Uh, they're not they're not limited to just the the July guys. I mean, those are the guys we're going to focus on. But obviously, there are plenty of alternatives out there. Uh, there's trades. You know, we brought up a guy like you know, would the Pirates move Brian Reynolds? Oh, we say that. Um, I mean, he was a guy that they were always talking about building around. But if he was available, uh, you can you can go up and there's so many options. Uh, Acuna coming back. That's an interesting wrinkle in this as well. Um, you have, so you're going to have him in right field. What you're hoping is, you know, by May or, what, or around then, and you have him back. And are you, you going to have the DH? Obviously, the DH is a big thing with Solaire. Uh, if you end up re-signing him, so I find the thing, I find the situation just like uh, everyone listening. I, I find it fascinating. I think that there's going to be uh, there's no shortage of options. Now, I think we all agree the likelihood of all of those guys being back is slim to none. Uh, so, you know, I mean, everyone can kind of chime in who they think should be back. I've seen a lot of people say if you can keep two of them, that seems reasonable, especially considering Duvall's an ARB guy. I mean, he's projected to make like a tick over $9 million. I think MLB trade rumors had him at. And are you going to want to pay him that? Can you work something out with him, maybe just work out a two-year deal? Uh, so you have options there. Uh, I, I, it'll be it'll be really interesting. It'll to just see how these negotiations go, how many suitors these guys have, uh, how the Braves handle talk to them about playing time and what their roles would be. Uh, it's certainly right after Freddie. That's the most interesting conversation of the off season. It, it still feels kind of weird with Adam Duvall. Like for the second straight season, he is overperformed, and yet it's not a lock that the Braves are going to keep him. No, not at all. It's it's not a lock. Uh, it would be it would be weird for for him to be non-tendered again after everything yes. that went through last winter. Um, but I mean that's on the table again. Uh, it would make sense for both sides if they want to make this work to to get a, a separate deal done. But it, it I think it does help that he he isn't a free agent yet, so they can sit down and maybe maybe they can hammer something out if they decide they want to keep him, or maybe they. Maybe they work something out. They decide to keep Rosario and Soler instead, and and invest some of that money they saved from non-tendering Duvall and some of those guys. So again, just plenty of options here. I mean, nine million dollars pretty reasonable for um, a guy who led the uh, led the league in RBIs and and gave you Gold Glove caliber defense. Yeah, I mean, he was a very valuable guy for them. Uh, you, I mean, he would certainly have other suitors uh, if they let him go. Uh, there's no, I mean, he, the power that he provides, and obviously he's a fit in the clubhouse. Snit loves him. Uh, he was, he was a really big difference maker for them. So, I mean, again, you can't keep everybody, but they've got to kind of weigh the pros and cons of each guy. If they pick two and the um, potential universal DH plays in here, if they can pick two of the quartet, who do you think are at the, at the top? <sighs> I would say I feel like Jock is the least likely to stay. Um, so I would start there. Duvall, because of the team's history with him, the fact that he's an ARB eligible guy, he feels um, he feels like maybe a safer bet to stay. But even then, I don't I don't feel totally confident saying that. I, Soler and Rosario, for me, it would just depend on what we're looking at contract-wise with them. I, I think both of those guys could be really valuable, uh, especially in Rosario's case. Because Rosario, I mean, I mean, Soler obviously has the mammoth season under his belt. Uh, we'll see about the DH. But, I mean, if you told me that the Braves kind of it, – it, it's tough. It's tough. I, I think that, you know, if you're – if you're me talking about this with you on this podcast, if you're just with your friends, just having some beers at the bar and debating this, um, 
I, I don't I don't know that there's a clear answer um, that's significantly uh, better than the other one. I, I just I kind of just maintain that if you're able to if you can if you tell me that they can keep two of Soler, Rosario, or Duvall, I think I think they should be in pretty good shape. It did kind of surprise me. I know this comes from the Athletic and, and Jim Bowden, but that Rosario was ranked as the 46th best free agent this offseason by him. Yeah, I mean, Rosario was not having a good season before he before he got to Atlanta. Um, obviously, just a tremendous NLCS, but he does. He is a guy with with history. I mean, he's got a he, he has a resume. So yeah. I, I think if that's the case, then, you know, maybe um, I think somebody somebody might be able to get a good deal with him there. Is uh, is the Braves' former cleanup hitter, um, well, ever going to play again? Uh, or And is he certainly uh, out for next year, Marcelo Zuna? No, uh, I would not say he's out yet. Um, okay. That, that situation, there's just not a lot of clarity there right now. The only thing that is clear is that his contract counts against their books right now. So um, – I would not rule out him playing for the Braves again at some point. Um, I wouldn't rule out them trying to trade him. Uh, I just uh, that that situation right now is is cloudy enough that there's just not clarity right there. The only thing we know is that they're paying him. Just another one of those avenues that uh, Alex Anthopoulos will have to work out with his uh, DH and his outfield spots uh, coming up in 2022. Now to the to the infield and Ozzy's got a long term deal. Does anybody else join him on the infield? this offseason well we'll see because uh dansby this is his last year of arbitration so that's kind of an interesting conversation right obviously he's a guy he's from atlanta he bleeds atlanta he talks about it all the time it's very important to him so it's no secret that he wants to stay um would the braves want to work something out with him would they want to see one more year uh before working something out with him or maybe uh looking into alternatives uh we'll see I think that's a that's kind of a sneaky little underrated uh, story of the off season that's probably not going to get a lot of attention. But a, again, you're you're a year away from you know potentially having a hole here at shortstop, so it just depends on you know what Dansby sees his value as, how the Braves see it, if they want to hammer something out, or if or if they think Dansby thinks that he can uh, earn more money by playing this thing out and. Uh, we'll see. So that one's interesting, and I, I think uh, Austin Riley is arb eligible for the first time. So, uh, and then of course Freddie, uh, they'll they'll hope to get a long term deal done with him because I mean I, look they have a, a star studded infield loaded with pop, great defense, a uh, bunch of really likable, marketable guys, and they're going to try to keep that together. Did uh, did Riley do enough now in in one season to go ahead and start that long term? conversation everybody's seen enough yeah i mean look uh, they i mean they have them under club control for a few more seasons now here um so they're not you know with everything they have on the docket uh i don't i don't know how much that would come into play just yet but i mean certainly uh you know i i think that it's an option to you know buy out some arbiters and maybe work something out with him if if, if not this off season, maybe next and just see but uh Really, really promising year from him as, as far as that goes and proving himself as the long-term guy. Staying on the infield, the Braves have at least locked up their backup catcher. What do you think of uh, Manny Pena? Yeah, I mean, look, they, look, they went on a catching carousel <laughs> uh, this past year uh, when, when Darno got hurt, and they just they, they couldn't go through that again. They didn't want to fool with that again. Uh, I think Shea Langoliers is going to be a really special catcher. Uh, and obviously William Contreras – uh, has has some nice talent so they have the young guys but to to get this done to have a veteran guy and to not to just uh, just a stable steady presence right I, I think that's yeah, that's a big deal because it, they avoid the situation unless both of them get hurt which you never know but they do avoid the situation of having to go through Jeff Mathis Kevin Smith Jonathan LaCroix just uh Stephen Vogt just you know cycling Alex Jacks just cycling through all these guys and and now they'll be able to kind of have a have a veteran guy that maybe stabilizes this a little bit. And I, I don't think Langoliers is far away either. And, and that'll be a, another discussion as to uh, how they how they handle him when he's ready to come up and, and when he's ready to take over full time. The good news is, like ten percent of the catchers that play Major League Baseball this year are going to get a World Championship ring for the Braves. So, yeah, so that no was kidding. good. Um, well, so what is 
is Langoliers is is the timeline 2022 or or is it more 2023? I my guess is he debuts this upcoming season. Now, the question is, you know how you know how how does playing time work? You know he's going to be better off playing every day in AAA, obviously developmental wise. We'll see how things go in Gwinnett for him. But I, I just I feel like he's close. I think he's re- I think he's advanced. I, I really think he's he's a talented player, and I'm I'm pretty excited to see him. We'll come back here in just a second and start digging into the pitching and also our off-season awards. We also want to tell you that your subscriptions to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution help fund our journalism, and we can't do it without you. So we thank you for that. And if you're not a subscriber, visit AJC.com champs and subscribe today. You'll get the most complete Braves coverage throughout the year with unlimited digital access to AJC.com and the e-paper. So check it out at AJC.com champs for subscription options as low as 99 cents for the first month. We'll be right back right after this with some more ways you can sell Celebrate the Braves world title right here on the Braves Report podcast. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, we're back with Jay Black and Gabe Burns as we dig into the Braves' offseason positions now and problems and solutions. And uh, in the rotation, we do know uh, one thing that uh, Drew Smiley will not be in the rotation in 2022. He is the only free agent, and uh, I'm pretty sure the chances of him returning are point oh oh two percent Yeah, uh, I mean, look, you're not going to nail every move. Um, the smiley move did not work out the way the Braves hoped it would. Um, so, I mean, that happened. Uh, best of luck to him. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think he'll be back. I'm interested to see where they go here. I think we've already kind of heard that they're – They've looked around the uh, starting pitching market. Uh, my guess is that they add a veteran guy. I don't think it's going to be somebody particularly expensive. But, you know, when you look at this rotation, you're not – I don't think they want to enter the year where you're just banking on Kyle Muller, Kyle Wright, and doing that whole thing again. You have three uh, clear top guys that you feel good about, and I think that adding a veteran and then, you know, maybe letting one of the young guys get some work, I, I think that would be a pretty – Pretty good move for this team. And, again, you can't bank on Soroka at all. Uh, we all love Mike Soroka. He's a great guy. He's a really talented guy. Obviously, he was already an all-star. Uh, he was on the trajectory to be an ace for this team. But after two Achilles tears, you don't, you just don't know. So uh, the team is not going to really bank on him. So I expect them, I expect them to, add a, uh, to add a veteran to the rotation. I, I think that would be a really good move. Anybody you got your eye on? Um, I mean, not not really off the top of my head, no. Um, I don't think it's going to be – I would just try to go for just a, a modest price innings eater. Uh, you know, maybe you can make another upside play. You know, Smiley, they said, was an upside play. Well, the upside didn't hit. It didn't happen. Again, you're not going to hit on everything. They did. They went the Cole Hamels route. That completely busted. Uh you know, even when they when they had acquired Kevin Gosman, Gosman was was pretty valuable for them before they ended up. You know that that ended poorly, uh, but he he provided some value too. So I, I'm not thinking any big names here, um, just somebody that's kind of just solid that you could get on a short term deal, be it one year, two year, and, and just kind of help you out, help fill some innings. Maybe the John Gray, Stephen Matz. Alex Cobb, Michael Pineda. Yeah, I mean, I think, kinda... I, I think Alex Cobb is an interesting guy uh, when you throw his name in there. Um, I think John Gray is, is going to get paid, uh, perhaps more than what I'm thinking here. But, I mean, certainly a guy a guy like Cobb, somebody that can that can pop in there. I mean, I don't – just, yeah, somebody like – somebody steady, I think, is, is kind of what I'm thinking right now. If that is the one-year, another one-year $11 million type deal, if it's a two-year deal – I mean, you're gonna you're gonna need. I mean, obviously, you can never have too much starting pitching, right? So, I my my thinking is just you just need somebody a little more steady and stable to have. Just add one more guy to this rotation, and I think I think you can feel pretty good about it. 
the the market for um, pitching two innings or less and making twenty plus million dollars for one year contracts certainly went up this off season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that look, there, team. It's hard to find frontline starters. It, it it like it is just it's hard to get frontline starters. And Noah Syndergaard, for all his faults, when he is healthy and on, he is really good. And if you're the Angels who have needed pitching for forever, it feels like, yes. and especially you know with Perry there, and he's familiar with Syndergaard, um, it it just it made sense you know for them to kind of make that you know to pay a few million more than the qualifying offer and, and get him over there. You know I'm fine with that move for them. Um, there's some risk because Syndergaard just hasn't stayed healthy, so of course there's risk there. And and Justin Verlander is a guy I'd happily bet on. He's a warrior. Um, he's awesome. I've always loved Verlander. So, I mean, to, you know, you pay him a one-year $25 million deal and you, he gets a player option on it. Uh, I feel okay about that uh, if, if, I, if I'm the Astros because, I mean, it, 2019 when he was as dominant as he was, that's not that long ago. No. And just Verlander, he's another guy who keeps himself in good shape and everything. I, I feel really good about that one. Syndergaard, uh, you know, it's a one-year deal, so it is kind of is what it is there. But um, – that's that's a flyer, I think, especially when you're the Angels and you can you know afford those more expensive flyers and not really worry about it like, as much as some teams would. I, I think that that that's per, that's fine too because if you can if you can hit with him, um, that's the type of guy that the Angels have been missing for years. In the bullpen, the Braves' only free agents is Jesse Chavez and Chris Martin. Any of those come back? I mean, I mean, I probably not, but you, you know, you never know. Like they. It's not going to be stiff competition for those guys' services. It's like when they brought back Josh Tomlin on the what first day of spring training, and yeah. when was that? Twenty twenty before the pandemic, I think. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, is there a chance that one of those kind of veteran guys is back? Sure, but uh, you know, you can kind of those guys are pretty much replaceable. So I think you you probably see some new blood in there. Do they do they bring in any bigger name? Mark Melanson type to beef up that bullpen, or do they just roll with uh, the four guys who uh, separated themselves in the postseason? Yeah, I, look, I I think you can always add to your bullpen. I don't care who you are, um, especially if there's a guy out there that is uh, a proven commodity that you can get at a, a fair price like that. And I mean, sure, I, I could definitely see that situation unfolding. I'll just say. You know, everyone lost their minds over them not bringing back Shane Green last year. <laughs> they ended up bringing him back. It was a disaster, and they released him. So, uh, I know my advice there would be to kind of trust their judgment because I think they've had pretty good bullpen judgment under Anthopoulos. I mean, I mean, they had that busy trade deadline that really helped them in '19. And you look at, you know, people were wondering why Luke Jackson w- uh, wasn't non-tendered last winter, right? A lot of people thought that they should drop. Uh, Luke Jackson after a tough year he had, and he was super valuable for them. A.J. Minter kind of turned things around, um, and everyone thought it was crazy that Will Smith was the closer, and he, look, he had his ups and downs. Those questions were warranted, but when it mattered most, um, he was great. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you'll, I think you'll see a, a new guy or two in the bullpen, but uh, generally th- their judgment there has been pretty good. It's kind of hard to overlook somebody who doesn't give up a run in the postseason and converts all his saves, but I think Will Smith may have gotten overlooked a little bit when everybody was seeing what Tyler Matzik had done and A.J. Minner and even Luke Jackson. It was just kind of ho-hum, all the drama that Will Smith created basically till the middle of September, and then he just slammed the door. Yeah, he was, he was I mean, he was tremendous. He was fantastic. Uh, credit to him, you're right. It's one of those things. It's like we always talk about offensive lines. You don't hear about them when they're doing well, but you can't stop talking about them when they're struggling. And in Will Smith's case, he was a guy who was talked about the whole year, criticized the whole year for his ups and downs. And once he dominated, it wasn't much talk about him. I do want to ask you, which which rookies have the best chance to crack the opening day roster in 2022? Uh, we'll see how the outfield shapes up with Christian Pache and – I don't think you know Drew Waters isn't going to be on the opening day roster, but he's a guy who's in Gwinnett, and you'll see what happens with him. Is he a trade candidate too? So 
Michael Harris was just named the Braves' number one prospect. He's super talented. He will not be on the opening day roster next year, but he's on his way. And, the, and that factors, I think, into the outfield discussion as well. I mean, could you look at and, uh, you know, could you see a rookie pitcher or two, you know, end up in the uh, end up in the bullpen or something? I mean, sure, yeah. But, I mean, generally, I, I, I think that you're not going to see uh, – you're not going to see any impact rookies on this opening day roster immediately. Yeah, was, there's not really anybody with the exception of Langoliers that that would be imminent, right? Yeah, I mean, again, Langoliers, you've got. I mean, you just signed Darno to a two-year deal, so you're in no yeah. rush with him either. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you've got you've got some guys on the way, but this is not a situation where there's a Jason Hayward, there's a Ronald Acuna. I mean, they're just there isn't. You don't have that right now. So I mean, when you look at this team, I mean, rookies. You know, some of these guys. Again, you could have a guy in the bullpen or something. But I mean, for the most part, you're, we're not going to be spending a lot of time talking about uh, talking about rookies once opening day starts. The MLB's endless award parade finally wraps up this week um, with Cy Young and MVP. That's something that's as, as we as we enter the J Black soapbox segment of this podcast. It's always kind of bugged me is we're it's we're almost thanksgiving here and we haven't finished out giving out the awards i i i guess it's the strategy is always well let's keep slipping in baseball news you know while baseball's not going on but uh, it, people have moved on and, and the there there's no it seems like that the, the mvp and the cy young always get buried because they wait until the middle of november to announce who it is yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you. You know, the NFL can kind of stretch their stuff year-round, and it works for them. I understand the logic of it, uh, but it doesn't land the same with, with MLB. And I think part of it is that the MLB is so locally – that you just have – MLB is so locally driven uh, that when you look at – you know, the NFL is national news all the time, and MLB people are kind of more focused – like if you're, you know, if you live in San Francisco, you're kind of focused on the Giants. You don't really follow the Mariners or the, uh, I mean, or the Orioles or something like that. Uh, so when you kind of look, when you do these awards like this, it just doesn't, it doesn't really resonate na- uh, nationally the same. Especially this year, especially in the National League. I, when you look at these seasons, it's it's not like I'm really going to remember. The, the the MVP season that insert this person here put on in twenty twenty one nobody's really blowing me away. Yeah, I mean that that's part of it too. I mean, again, none of the NL MVP finalists even made the playoffs. So, uh, I mean, look, it'll be great for the individual. It'll be great for those franchises to have an MVP. Uh, those guys had great seasons, but in the grand scheme of things, um, no, I, I don't. I don't think. Bryce Harper, Fernando. I, I just don't think those guys' seasons uh, in the grand scheme of things will be remembered, you know, for that much. So who are you taking for an LMVP? Yeah, uh, I would go with Bryce Harper there. I bet again, like, I, I mean, those guys, those teams just, they just weren't anywhere close to good enough. But, I mean, of those three, I would go with Harper. And and for the Cy Young Award, I would go with Corbin Burns. I'm a what a year from him, and obviously the Brewers were a playoff team, and the Braves, and the Braves uh, beat them, and in, in what I thought was a, a pretty good series, looking back on it. So certainly uh, Burns is one of the front line guys in the game, and uh, he, he is the NL Cy Young winner this year. And the NL MVP will come out uh, Thursday. Uh, Shohei Otani. I mean, there's. I mean, Guerrero was great, but I mean, come on, yeah, Otani. Yeah. That, that's the thing is, I, I wouldn't. If you're voting for that, I wouldn't want to be one of the guys that we look back on this 30 years from now and it's like, wait, someone didn't vote for Otani? Because <laughs> he might he may never do this again, right? Um, just the reality of health and the way this works. I mean, we might never see a complete season like that again from him. So uh, certainly, I mean, Vlad is – look, Vlad's going to win an MVP in his time. I mean, he, he is really special. But, yeah, it has to be Otani. We're going to make this an annual thing on the Braves Report podcast uh, as, as we continue this podcast for the next 20 years or so. Uh, so we're going to start here with, with the, the uh, Gabe Burns Beat Rider Awards for the Braves, and the MVP has got to be pretty obvious. Yeah, uh, well, MV, MVP of the Braves, uh, Austin Riley was their best player all year. The, the growth that he showed, I, I, you never thought he was going to be a 300 hitter. He was just truly – he blossomed into an elite player. And that is so so much credit to him. The growth he showed, his plate discipline, just defensively how he improved. You forget how young he is too. 
and just he didn't have that much experience coming into this year, which we really sometimes you feel like he has more experience than he does. So uh, he's the Braves MVP. He was their best player. Uh, Freddie is the face of their franchise, and the, what what Freddie was able to do after that slow start, where everyone was talking about his contract status and the team was struggling. Uh, obviously, credit to Freddie, credit to Max Freed for the second half that he had. There's a lot of guys who deserve a lot of praise on this team um, for getting them into the World Series, but Austin Riley was consistently their best player. Austin Riley, something that's hard to do is to hit over 300 and still lead your team in strikeouts. But the the 300 thing, as you said, totally, I never, ever, I, him hitting 33 homers, no surprise at all. Him leading the team in strikeouts, no surprise at all. Him more than 100 RBIs, exactly what you thought he would be. But a 300 hitter, that just... I, I never thought that would happen. Yeah, I mean, again, credit to him. Uh, his his growth has has really been fun to watch. And and Freddie finishing the season right at three hundred, after all he went through in April, where he couldn't have, couldn't his way out of paper bag and all the contract stuff. Uh, just a just a spectacular year for Freddie. But yes, Austin Riley will get my vote too for uh, MVP. Cy Young for the Braves. Yeah, that's Max Freed, uh, one point seven four ERA in the second half, best in the majors. Um, had a couple of the best starts of his career against the Orioles and the Padres, complete games. And it's easy to forget his season started poorly. He was lit up. He ended up on the IL. Uh, you know, things started poorly for him. Uh, it didn't matter at all. It's not how you start. So, once again, it was the second year in a row that he showed he's a worthy frontline guy. So, he's there. And, you know, look, the Charlie Morton signing – I would say that worked out exactly how the Braves hoped it would have. And uh, Ian Anderson's going to be a good one for a long time. But, yeah, Max Freed was the best pitcher on this team. I, I, I would also obviously give it to Max, but I do not want to discount the steady force that Charlie Morton was because especially in that first half when Max was kind of flopping around and they didn't really have anybody they could count on except for, for Charlie Morton, who got off to a slightly slow start too, but at least it kind of when he was on the mound there was an adult in the room. And he, and he was a, a clear stabilizing force while they got their pitching figured out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's crazy to think about where this team would have been without him uh, for a long time. So he was he was a huge part of uh, of everything they did. And, and, heck, I mean, we said it at the time, if he doesn't get hurt in the World Series, that thing might have ended in five. This one's this one's an uncomplicated um, category, rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, Ian Anderson, still technically a rookie, so it's him. Uh, had his ups and downs, but again, he's a guy who just matured beyond his years. He is going to be a really solid piece of this rotation for, you know, however long they keep they can keep him. Uh, so as long as you know he's healthy, uh, he's a guy who's uh, they drafted him, they developed him, and, and uh, they're seeing the benefits of that. So it, it's great for him and great for the team. As as much as this team had had prided itself and has prided itself on its development and constantly having young talent and rookies come through this world championship team was not built on the back of hardly any ian anderson was the only rookie real contributor on the, on this ball club yeah i looked i mean they these since really 2017 even you want to go back to to dansby um but 2017 you know ozzy came up and uh, they, they've been kind of ushering guys in acuna of course debuts in cincinnati in, in uh in 18 uh They've been bringing guys in these last few years. Uh, Max Freed, of course. Uh, Ian debuted uh, during the shortened season. And they've been – even A.J. Minter, you can go back with him. I mean, and, finding, just, and finding a place for Riley to, Riley to play. And, and Riley, of course. Riley would, uh, you know, came up and Donaldson was, was here and everything. So, they've spent – no, I mean, they didn't – these guys are – they're young, but they're not rookies. Um, they debuted – a lot of them debuted at really early ages, and they uh, – They've really all kind of grown up together, and so I think that I think for fans that's a really rewarding experience because while there were a lot of contributors that this team didn't develop, the July outfielders, of course, come to mind. Uh, the core of this team was drafted or, or traded for and developed by the Braves and the fans, and Braves fans love their prospects, have watched these guys develop and come up and, and grow as, you know, not just as players but as people. And uh, I think it's really rewarding for fans to uh, to see them find the ultimate success like that. Biggest surprise? Oh, uh, well, we talked about the development of Riley. I, I would have to say that is the biggest surprise. 
again, never saw him being a 300 hitter. His growth, the, the strides that he's made, um, this is not to discredit him. He is very talented. This is not discrediting him at all. But but he was uh, like to, Troy Gloss 2.0, right? Yeah, to see him grow as a, as a hitter and, of course, defensively like he has, I would certainly say that does qualify as a surprise because nobody saw that coming. Um, Dansby's power surge, I would say, is something that's worth mentioning as a surprise. Uh, Luke Jackson becoming one of the most dominant relievers in the majors. We knew that he could be better than he was when he struggled in 2020. <clears throat> but for him to step up as he did and just be such a key piece of this thing, uh, credit to him. Uh, that was that was obviously a, a big surprise. Um, so there's – and what about as a team? Just the team – Winning the World Series. Yeah, I know. You lose Acuna – uh, the team itself is the biggest surprise, I yes. would say. Um, you lose Acuna the day before the All-Star break in the year that you win the World Series. Um, what we thought was the nail in the coffin turned out to be the catalyst to one of the best sports stories, in certainly in Atlanta history, and really one of the best stories, I think, in MLB history. So I would definitely say that would be the biggest surprise. Well, I, I did not go that grand. Uh, I wrote down uh, Luke Jackson. I've been a Luke Jackson defender. I, I know the I know your your feed is is littered with with Luke Jackson um, commentary. We'll put it that way. But he, even at nineteen, when he kind of picked up the closer role just by you know lack of a better option, he still struck out a hundred guys as a reliever. And I, now twenty was terrible, you know. But you know it was it was the goofy season, and and we can throw that out. But I I, I still do not see a sub two point ERA out of Luke Jackson, you know, solid, consistent guy. But I, I'm happy for him. I'm, I mean, he was one of the guys, and now has to be considered on as one of the guys now going forward. So uh, Luke Jackson, my pick for uh, biggest surprise this year. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good one. He again, we've seen flashes from him, and he's 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 been a good reliever in the past. I mean, he was an, he's been an important piece to this team. But for him to find the consistency and just the the dominance that he found this year, um, I, yeah, I didn't see that one coming. We're going to end on a bad note, and um, biggest disappointment. Well, we talked about Drew Smiley earlier. Again, not every move you make is going to work out, right? And that was uh, that was a disappointment, even for, I would say, for modest expectations. Uh, I, I don't think the team, when they signed him to a one-year $11 million deal, planned to pull him from their rotation in September. <laughs> no. So... Uh, so that was a disappointment. It, things just didn't really. I mean, he don't get me wrong. He had he had some starts in there. Um, the team was winning a lot of his games. So it's, I'm not going to call him like a disaster or anything. It was not the Cole Hamels thing where you just get get nothing. But it was certainly underwhelming, and, and that would qualify as a disappointment. You know, the Shane Green signing, which we also mentioned earlier. Uh, I guess that's a, a kind of a sneaky disappointment too. In the grand scheme of things, it obviously didn't matter. But you bring that guy back, and they thought that was a guy who was really going to help stabilize their bullpen. But it just didn't work out at all, and you end up just releasing him. And I'd also say Christian Pache was a disappointment. Uh, you know, he was their opening day center fielder, and they they ended up it just he couldn't he just couldn't hit. He couldn't hang at the level. Uh, and while again, none of these it's not like any of these were you know, that big of a deal, obviously. They won the World Series, but the season was far from perfect. And, you know, it was – they again, they handed Pache the center field job, and, and he couldn't take it. And, fortunately, they ended up trading for guys. And you had, like, Guillermo Heredia to hold things down. Even Abraham Almonte helped them for a little bit. So, yeah, that was uh, Pache not being able to uh, – to show that he was quite ready for the majors was a disappointment. Yeah, Pache is my my pick. When you give him Andrew Jones's number, which which in hindsight may have probably been a mistake, um, he got seven hits in 2021. You didn't think you were going to have to worry about center field because the, the the whole expectation for Pache was to take that for the next decade or so. What's his future now? Can can you recover from just a I don't want to say a train wreck of a season, but just a total clunker in the majors? And, and rebuild yourself back up to the level everybody thought you could play at. Yeah, he can definitely recover. Um, we've seen a lot of guys recover from these bad starts when they're when they're kids. But ultimately, I mean, look, the hitting was has been a question with him. Um, it, it, it was not something that just suddenly surfaced. I mean, this was a question with him coming up. It was all we knew he could play. 
elite defense. He's going to play elite defense. We, his floor is pretty defined. Um, if it comes down to it, he could be an elite defender who just doesn't give you much offensively. And, guy, and guys like that have had good careers. And, and yeah, and look, he could have he could have a decade long career doing that. The question is, you know, when he's your top position player prospect or was, um, you know, what's the ceiling with him? And the ceiling, we always talked about the offense. We always talked about you know his body. He's putting on muscle. He, how much power is this guy going to run into? He's got plenty of time. Okay, like not everybody you know, is Acuna is Ozzy. It takes. I mean, we saw we've seen it with Dansby. Um, even, you know, Riley, of course, Riley, I would say Riley's an extreme example with the improvement he ended up making. So look, he's got time. I think the bigger question is how is, how is that time going to be filled? How are, what are the Braves going to do here? Because they're not going to enter next year planning on starting him in center field because that, um, if if that scenario unfolds, then uh, I would assume their resources were spent somewhere else and they were kind of put into a jam because, I mean, they have better options right now. And the question is, is, you know, is he going to be long-term? Is, is he going to be part of this thing? Is he trade bait? Does, you know, how internally, how does this team still view him? How does it view his development? I mean, those are those are questions that we don't really have answers to right now. But, I mean, that's, uh, that's, part, that's just part of how all of this works, and it'll be interesting to see it unfold. Last uh, point before we go, uh, I want to point out that uh, Sean Kazmar is going to get a World Series ring after he retires as a AAA legend with the Gwinnett Stripers because of his two at-bats with the Braves for the first time in a decade. How about that? That's yep. pretty cool. Uh, Kazmar is um, – he's truly one of the nicest guys. He's a great human being. I mean, look, there's a reason why they've kept him around as long as they have there. Yep. Um, you know, if he <clears> – whatever he wants to do in baseball after playing, I, I, he would excel at. Uh, everybody loves him. Everybody respects him. And he was, he was a great guy for them to have around, even the younger players too. And – you know, congrats to him on his triple on his you know basically triple A career, and it's it's pretty cool that he gets a World Series right? So that that's where we will uh, pause it here for the uh, Braves Report podcast as we enter off season mode now. Uh, of course, the question is what how long is this long dark winter possibly going to be with the labor problems potentially looming? But we will dig into that in the future episodes here of the uh, AJC Braves podcast. But uh, we're going to keep this going for you. So we need your help though: rate, review, follow, subscribe, and share so we can keep spreading the word and continue do this for free so uh, Gabe uh, glad you've gotten some sleep and uh, we'll talk again next time absolutely when you're looking for leading cardiac treatment look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute we lead with five emergency cardiac care centers so we're here when you need us most we lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia that means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.